Hello and welcome to Opened Eyes Podcast. I am so excited about today's podcast because we have a very, very special guest um, with Susan and I today. We have her daughter, Liza, um, joining us. And I, Liza, I just, first of all, I cannot tell you how much I admire you for coming on a podcast at 18 years old and sharing your testimony. That is just courage upon courage upon courage. I'm just so impressed um, by you and just so thankful for your willingness because like we were saying before, so many people I feel like have this same testimony that you're going to have and and I think it'll give them courage and strength to get through hearing what you have to say today. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so Liza, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm 18. Um, I'm a senior at Cosby High School. Um, I've lived here pretty much my entire life. Well, my entire life. And yeah, I've just kind of been here here and you play soccer yeah i play soccer I have three um, sisters have three sisters so many pets yeah lots of, <laughs> lots of pets um and yeah i work as a lifeguard in the summer i coach little kids soccer team now which has been really fun that's awesome mm-hmm. volunteer at brow volunteer at brow mm-hmm. and yeah. just recently made the decision as to where you're going next year right yes i'm going to university of north carolina at wilmington studying Ooh, green yeah. biology on yeah. the pre-vet track cool mm-hmm. hence all the pets at home yes, <laughs> why there's so yes. many animals <laughs> That's her too. Yeah, that, that's your mom. Thing. That's your mom too. She yeah. comes by it honestly. <laughs> so um, let's start. So you're in twelfth grade now, but let's start back to when you first started at Cosby, your ninth grade year. It was kind of a tough year for you, right? Yeah, it was pretty tough. Um, that was before COVID, but it was just like starting in a new place is always scary. And I knew most of the people going there from middle school, elementary school, but it was just kind of different in high school. I really only had like one solid friend that I would like hang out with and talk to. And so it was just. Well, you had had the year before when you were in eighth grade, two of your other close friends moved. Mm -hmm. A lot of my good friends from middle school had moved and kind of just that left me with just this one friend. So. Yeah. And Cosby's a really big school. It's a really big school. Like I know yeah. this year, the freshman class, I think, has like 900 mm-hmm. kids. So. Intimidating. Yeah. Intimidating. It's a big school. I've heard yeah. if you don't go in with a big core group of friends, it's hard to. It's very isolating. It's yeah. hard mm-hmm. to break into a friend group. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of isolation, that spring of your freshman year is when COVID yes. hit. Oh, my goodness. So then really isolated yeah especially because even before covid started i was already feeling really isolated like socially at cosby and that just took away a whole year of my high school that i could have used to like make new friends and so you were out like your whole 10th grade year basically virtual learning mm -hmm. i think i went in maybe one day for hybrid but even then it was like half of the people were there that were supposed to. So it was still very limiting of, as of like who I could talk to. You weren't really encouraged to talk and to people at we that time weren't either. And we weren't even really encouraged to go into the school. Right. It was kind of just an option for those who didn't want to be at home all the time just to get out of the house. But 
and everybody's still wearing masks at that point right yeah it's just awkward being in like going from virtual to hybrid i remember like the one day i went in it was the pledge of allegiance (laughs) (laughs) and um my first block and no one stood up because we were just so used to hearing it sitting on our computer so wow, our teacher him. stood up and was like guys and we all just kind of sat there and we're like oh no. yeah, <laughs> right? yeah we <laughs> wow i didn't even think about that yeah. that's crazy so ninth grade was a little bit tough with mm-hmm. just going to a new school not really having a lot of friends um that sort of thing and so was that the year that you feel like you started to really feel kind of down and and sad yeah yeah I was really sad it was hard for me to just even when I knew like I should be putting myself out there and I should be doing all this stuff like it was so hard just because of what happened in the past I think with my friends moving like I feel like almost that prevented me from wanting to meet new people because I didn't want to be abandoned again Mm -hmm. or like stuff like that where it just it was just really hard for me to reach out to people and to make friends. And then that made me feel really isolated and just sad and alone. And they're having all these like school events and football games and basketball games and like things everybody would go to with their friends. And it looked so fun. But like my one friend I had was also very depressed and like she didn't really want to go to them either. Well, I she didn't really want to go to them. I wanted to go to them. Right. But, so I just kind of you have to have home. somebody to go to yeah, with, right? I didn't so. want to just go by myself. So I just ended up sitting at home or then even when I would go with her sometimes, she'd just leave me for like other people who were more popular or like right. had more friends and I'd yeah. just be left by myself at a football game. That's not fun. No, no, no. And then I, as a forty-three-year-old woman, I don't want to be left by myself at a football game. Luckily, my older sister was there, so I just kind of shadowed her for a little. But yeah, and then I just didn't really want to go to any more football games and be like that. Mm -hmm. So So once you have a not good experience, it makes mm -hmm. you more tentative to put yourself out there. Yeah, definitely. Now, Susan, as her mom, were you? noticing that she was starting to seem really sad and kind of withdrawn yeah i mean liza is pretty um she's she does not hide her emotions really well she tried really (laughs) hard because she's so sweet like she did not want us to be upset Mm -hmm. so she was trying to protect us from her sadness and what she was going through but um you know she's my child so i pay attention to the changes in behavior and when Friday and Saturday nights would roll around and she was at home and feeling kind of down and I think seeing her like spend so much time on her phone was another red flag for me because we all know how social media can just mess with all of our minds but especially someone who was in a vulnerable position like Liza where she was already feeling isolated and alone And then she would see things on social media like, oh, look at what, how much fun they're having at the football game or look at this group of people over here. And, and I think it just really exacerbated all of what she was going through is like, well, everyone else is having fun and having a great time and has all these friends, but I'm just here at home. Right. And so she was a bit more withdrawn with family. She's always just been so like happy and easygoing and just sweet. But she started to get a little sharper with us at home. She started to be more withdrawn, spending more time on her phone, 
or watching, you know, Netflix. Um, so it, it's not always like a, a, a real obvious thing mm-hmm. that you can see when your children start to fall into like a depressed depression or a depressive state. Um, but the very first thing I would say I noticed is the up pulling away and isolating. Like she was already feeling isolated, but like, and our family is very close. She has three sisters who are close knit family. We do a lot of things together, but even when she started pulling away from family is that was to me was a, a, a sign that, that there was something more going on. Mm-hmm. Now I know, I think in your ninth grade year, you actually ended up going to see a counselor yes. for a little bit. So how did, I mean, Susan, did you see it and say, we need to go talk to somebody? Liza, did you go to your parents and say, this is really bad. I want to you know, do something about this? Uh, I think it was more you, my mom just noticed. I, I think so really too. Remember, I think that you just noticed. And my other friend had been going to a counselor and had that had been helping her. So she figured we'd give it a try and see if it I think, help yeah, me. I think we first talked to your pediatrician and she recommended, um, talking with a counselor for a little bit. And like, we do have some depression that runs in, um, on one side of our family. Mm-hmm. I heard, and, um, I think her dad actually had just started with some, um, some meds like that helped him completely. Um, so there definitely is that physiological component that can run through some families. Um, and so I didn't want to immediately go like, to that to that route especially mm-hmm. yeah. she's a teenager she, her body was growing like i just wanted to see are there anything that any like perspectives that we can change or just a different mindset that we can give her right different I, I, the whole time i'm like i just want you to see yourself the way i see you yeah i just that, that was my my whole thought process during that time I was like man i just wish liza you could see how much we love you how much your family loves you just how special you are and i'm like why can't you see this right um and how did that go liza did you feel like it helped or not really i mean for me personally this is not the same thing for everybody like there's good therapists out there and good counselors out there to help you but mine personally it didn't go very well for me she just kind of she just told me like I'm just having such a hard time helping you because you're so funny and so pretty. Like, I don't understand why people don't want to be your friend. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm here. Like, I need, <laughs> I need some help. Like, putting myself out there. Right. Change my mindset. Like, it's not, that's not helping me. Just saying, like, oh, I don't get it. Like, why you don't have any friends? Like, right. You're like, like, I don't get I, it either. I don't get it either. <laughs> that's, that's what's going on. And then I was also having some anxiety with, like, school stuff going on so then she just kind of focused on that rather than the social anxiety was it more it was, of the school work the workload yeah, of school was the like, anxiety associated yeah, with yeah, that yeah. the workload of school and i was it was social anxiety at school, yeah like wanting to put myself mm-hmm. out there and being scared of rejection and stuff like that but what was the hardest she, time for you during the day at school um i think lunch Mm-hmm. Lunch was really tough because at least in my classes, like I had work to do and I had stuff to distract me with, or like I would just, if I didn't have anything going on, I'd work on homework or other stuff. But at lunch, there's kind of no avoiding it. Like right. you walk yeah. in there and if you don't know anyone, you sit by yourself and it's just, it's sad. And like, I know my junior year, I had, that was when I was really feeling isolated. I'd known God by then, but it was still 
I was still feeling like kind of. Well, it's almost like maybe COVID gave you a little bit of yeah. a reprieve because you had a tough ninth grade year, but then 10th grade, you were able to be at home yeah. for school. And so you didn't have things like lunch, shining yeah. a, a light on the fact that mm-hmm. you didn't have anybody to sit with. Mm-hmm. And, and then so, from that going back into school, that's when it was really tough for lunch was I didn't know anyone. I hadn't talked to these people in a year, if not more. Right. And it was just like trying to find people. I think during COVID too, that was when people started to really have small little pods of friends that, you know, like, I think we were told you will just have your certain group of people that you hang out with so you can Mm -hmm. trace it back in case you get COVID. Right. And so I think that whole just like forced small group interaction, your circle became smaller and smaller. And so a lot of people, once they had that, then they weren't, People weren't as willing they to were draw to you in, people in right. because of this fear right. of COVID that was... Mm-hmm. Um, and that continued into my junior year. With yes. The, with yeah. Not because even in, out and not wanting to make new friends because it's like, oh, I'm scared of you'll have COVID. Well, even in junior around. year, you still had to wear masks. We yeah. still had to do social distancing. There were still... Yeah. I feel like that was exposure, the exposure. Um, I, I think there were, weren't there still restrictions as far as Mm -hmm. like at homecoming that fall, like you had to like sign up for a certain time slot and only interact with like this group of 20 people. Yeah. Homecoming you had to, it was outside first of all, which was weird. It was on the tennis court and then they had a split. (laughs) Yeah. And they had a car there shining light (laughs) on the tennis court, (laughs) the car lights. And it was like, it was they just tried. so weird. They, they did try. It was to give them that it credit. Was, but then it was like three different sections. And you got like assigned a section based on who you were going with. And you got like a little glow in the dark wristband and you had to stay in your section. Like I remember one time we kind of ventured over to another section because we saw people we knew. And they were like, you're not supposed to be over here. Like get back over there. And they were very strict. Wow. So that just added. That just added to that. Forced too, isolation. Or, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. Like it took, you had from the end of your ninth grade year, all of your 10th grade year and most of your 11th grade year, I think Mm -hmm. finally by January or February, some of the mass restrictions were lifted somewhat and it got to be a little bit better as far as COVID. Mm -hmm. But like, I still think that everyone was living in that, that kind of fear fear bubble and not wanting to bring not wanting to bring people into their inner circle anymore. Yeah. Well, um, and then with the COVID, like you get so close to the people that you're hanging out with during right. that time. Like you're hanging out with them almost every single day, especially those people who don't have siblings and friends. They're like mm-hmm. close family with them. Like they're hanging out with their friends all the time and getting really close during that period. So then once you go back to school, it's like they have these really close tight knit friendships and they don't aren't really looking to expand or like right. meet new people and that kind of thing. Right. So from what I'm hearing, as the therapist said, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're funny. And I agree with her. You are all those things. And you, <laughs> I mean, you have a mirror, you know, you're gorgeous. So you're probably thinking, what's wrong with me? Why can I yeah. not make friends? Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's, that's tough. But the summer you were saying before you started 11th grade, you started going to the church that your mom was going to. Yes. Um, and the pastor there kind of really spoke into you, gave you a mm-hmm. word from the Lord. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Yeah. I don't, 
specifically remember the first time she talked to me, but the one that really resonated with me the most was that I'm a precious gem and that not many people can touch me. And so like, I can't have all of these friends because they'd bring me down spiritually and my like mental state would go be bad. So that really helped me with like, okay, like I'm, there's a reason at least like why I'm feeling isolated and why I'm being isolated. Like it's all has a purpose and it's God's plan for my life. And like, this will help me eventually. And then she also told me that all of the years that I felt like I had lost in high school would be replenished later on. Amen. Yeah. yeah that was one thing that, that was Liza, really like me. that just really broke my heart. Cause she's, she would come to me and she's like, I just feel like I've missed out on so much of my life that there should, there are all these things that I should be doing that I want to do, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing them. And, you know, whether it was because of COVID or whether it was because she just didn't have anybody to do, to do those things with. And so I think when she got that word, like, we know that God can restore the years that have been lost. Mm-hmm. And for her knowing that, that God saw what she was going through and that it was not a surprise to him. And that actually it's part of his plan for her life, whether it's to protect her from unseen danger or from people who might bring her down and, and instead of elevating her um, or whether it's just building her character to have some more compassion and some more empathy and to see someone else who might have a need because she'd been through that same need before. Um, I think that just spoke a lot of hope into her life at a time where she really, Mm -hmm. really needed to hear some hope. Yeah. So do you feel like you became closer to God during that time? Yeah, 100%. Whenever I get in that kind of mindset where I'm feeling really depressed and like alone and insecure and I'm like really in my head and my feelings about it. I just pray to God and I'd be like, God, like, I know this is your plan for me, but just help me right now. Like, give me strength, give me peace. Like just allow me to see myself through your eyes and through my parents' eyes and stuff like that. And that would really calm me down. Just remembering that, like, this is, there's a reason, like, this is his plan for me. Like it's normal. It's not anything I should really be ashamed about. Like it's okay. And it's Mm -hmm. going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And even for me as an adult, Mm -hmm. knowing that there's somebody bigger than me, more powerful than me, that loves me, that has a plan for my life. I mean, that just kind of takes all the pressure off of you knowing, you know, he loves me. He has a plan for my life. He has a purpose for my life. He doesn't leave me or forsake me. He's with me through it all. I mean, even as an adult, Mm-hmm. There is that I think that's where when they talk about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, I think that's where it comes from is just really knowing yeah, who God is, his posture towards you, that he's always for your good, that he loves you, that you're the apple of his eye. I mean, scripture is just full of promises for his children. And so when you not only read those but believe them, mm-hmm. I think it really changes things. Yeah, it really does. And then um, after, like, she gave me that kind of word at church, every time I'd go there and if I'd be feeling really, like, down in my feelings. Because even after I knew God and I knew about his goodness and his plan for me, like, I still would have those moments where I'm just, like, numb almost. Or, like, just so upset and so sad and just feeling so alone. And sometimes it would be hard for me, my like as a, myself, to get out of them. So then, like I remember one time I went to church, and I remember walking into church, and I was like, 
ugh, I really just don't feel like doing this right now. Like, I don't feel like praise dancing. I don't feel like interacting. Like, I just want to go home. I want to like lay in my bed and mm-hmm. just not do anything. And I went in there and I think that God had spoken to Pastor Daphne and she was like, because then everybody gathered around me. Do you remember that? It was yes. when I, I was in the back of the church and everybody was like supporting me and dancing with me and just she like reaffirmed me and protected me from the enemy. And she's like, the enemy is attacking you right now. Like you got to get him out of here. And so like the whole church gathered around me and helped me get through that. And I just felt so loved and so much better and like seen really. And that really helps me like get through those kind of times. That's awesome. Yeah. Because I certainly didn't know that anything was going <laughs> going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we we obviously love you and are always there to support you, but having someone who can really just address and, mm-hmm. and hear from the Lord and, and speak, you know, directly into to the situation. And I think it has been helpful for Liza too to understand that a lot of the thoughts that she was having, like the negative thoughts of you know, we know that the enemy is a liar and a deceiver and an accuser. And he was really working on her mind. And that's the first place that he attacks all of us. It's all the first us. place yes. that leads us down, you know, either down to sin or it's the place where he just works to, you know, he came to steal, kill, and to destroy mm-hmm. whatever God has for us, even our peace, our joy, our hope, our love. And Liza later shared with me, and I think even Pastor Daphne um, acknowledged it too at church, that when she's alone and at night is when he really would come in. Mm -hmm. Because she's surrounded by family a lot. Like, she is surrounded by us physically um, throughout most of the day. Like, she's Mm -hmm. never just, like, upstairs in her room by herself very often at all. But at night, before she would go to bed, that's when he would really start mm-hmm. speaking to you. Right, Liza? Yeah. That's when I'd really just, I don't know. I think he'd like open my eyes to what was going on when I'd been trying to be more like, okay, this is God's plan for me. Like, it's going to be okay. When he'd be like, no, it's not like you're like this now. Like, how do you know you're going to change? How do you know it's going to be better? Like you don't have any friends. You're alone. Like, come on, there's something wrong with you. You got to fix it. Like, and I just be in my room and like, it'd make me almost stressed out or like as right before I'm going to bed and like, Oh my gosh, like, you're right. Like, I don't know. It's going to be okay. I don't know. And I just feel so alone in, in those moments. And that's when pastor Daphne told me that in those moments where I am, it's clear the enemy is attacking me and he's coming for me and telling me lies to think about the church and the noises of the praise dancing and everybody's screaming and like, worshiping God basically okay. and to focus on that and focus on the goodness of God rather than the lies that he's telling me. She also spoke that you as a child of God have power and authority to command Satan to flee from your presence. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that really I noticed a difference in you was the empowering, the empowering of the Holy spirit within you that you recognized when the enemy was coming after you and you could stand up and we, sometimes we would pray together about it. Sometimes, you know, I'm not always going to be there for you. Sometimes you are going to be, mm-hmm. you know, alone or like sometimes I was just down the hallway and had no idea, I had no idea. what was going on. I'm yeah. you know, thinking she's in bed 
sleeping peacefully and right. meanwhile she's being tormented right <laughs> like right down the hallway so right. <laughs> I just really think that is such a powerful powerful tool is to know for herself yeah you know especially as she's heading off into college especially you know all the times that she's out in the world by herself that because she is a child of God she has the Holy Spirit within her mm-hmm. and that Holy Spirit has all power mm-hmm. and all authority over everything to cast out Satan from her mind and just speaking those words out loud um, and learning how to take control and take authority over the lies of of the enemy, I think is just so important for, um, you know, support for everybody, everybody, but it's one of the things I want my children to really know is that they don't have to rely on me to pray for them. I'm not there. They can be Mm -hmm. being attacked at school. They can be, you know, wherever they are at their sports practices. And they have to know when the enemy is coming Mm -hmm. at them and to rebuke that and to stand firm on the promises of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And, you know, I mean, one of the greatest scriptures is greater is he that lives within us than he who is in the world. And that's, that's the enemy, right? He's Mm -hmm. in the world but greater lives inside of us. Um, and I, it's so funny because I literally just had the same conversation with my six-year-old. So that's yes. what, I, there's literally no, you cannot start too early teaching no. your children about the power that they have, mm-hmm. you know, and he was feeling like stuff was coming in his room and mm-hmm. um, getting really nervous. And I said, buddy, you are a child of God. You are his son. He loves you. He is there to protect you. He stands behind you. The enemy has to listen to what you say because he lives within you, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked about this on a previous podcast or not, but about the scene from the Lion King where Simba is like little baby, you know, lion oh, and yes. he goes to hyenas and he's like, Row! and they're like, laugh at him. And he's like, Row! and then like Mufasa, you know, comes behind him and he doesn't see him and he does his little roar again, mm-hmm. but it's Mufasa's roar and the hyenas run and they think, and someone thinks it's him. Right. And then he turns and he says, it's his dad. But like, that's why I picture, I picture Jesus behind us and yeah, we're like, yeah. You got to go. And in our own self, the enemy's like, yeah, whatever. And Jesus is behind us like, oh, no, you got to go. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And um, so we really do have to act on that and speak mm-hmm. those words out of our mouth. And, I mean, to me, one of the most amazing things is knowing there's an enemy and seeing when they come. Because mm-hmm. if you don't know that there's an enemy – you don't know you have anybody that you're fighting against. How can you win? You just think it's, oh, I'm just feeling down or I'm right. just, you know, These are just thoughts in my own like, head. Yes. Yes. When really he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and it really does not matter what age you are, you know, 40, 18, or mm-hmm. 6. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. coming after you every time. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, when – he doesn't know everything, but he knows when someone is special in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, unfortunately, that's when he tries to come at you a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just I, like anything. Yeah. They don't and, break yeah. into a house that has nothing exactly. in it. Right. Mm-hmm. He's coming because he sees precious gems and jewels that's inside right. of your house. <laughs> so he's coming hard because there's something worth this, worth stealing in you. Yeah. You know, and that's why he's attacking you so hard. And, you know, I had to say the same thing to my 
daughter too. I mean, he really comes when he sees those giftings. He doesn't know how God's going to use them, but he mm -hmm. sees them in there and he wants to snuff them out. He wants to destroy them. And I think just having the awareness of that and, and knowing that you have that power and authority helps to change. It diffuses all that power that he thought he had over you. And it helps to change your perspective on, on the situation that you're going through, whether it's, you know, feeling isolated at school or, or any other number of things. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I have found also speaking of the enemy that the sooner you can realize he's talking to you and cast him out and get rid of him, the better, because the longer he sticks around, the more he kind of sets up shop and, and really starts working with your thoughts. And it's yeah. almost like he gets more entrenched in there. It's harder oh, yeah. to get rid of mm -hmm. him. Yeah, he'll go from one area to the next area to everywhere that you're insecure, he can find. Yeah. So I, I'm just, God, I'm so grateful that things are going so much better for you. And and not mm -hmm. really that things have changed that much, right? At, yeah. At Cosmo, you're not going out with 20 yeah. kids at yeah. night anymore, but you just are much more confident about mm -hmm. who you are, who God's called you to be, the promises he's given you. Mm -hmm. And I just have, I have a lot more hope for the future now. Like it's more, I can see a way out, if that makes sense. Like I can see yeah. where I was and then now with going to college, it's like a fresh start. So like there's hope that I will make friends and like. Well, one of the things that we would pray together too was that God would send godly friends mm -hmm. her way. Friends that saw her, loved her, loved God, valued the things that she values, um, that weren't interested and in going out drinking and partying all the time. Um, and has God provided for you in that way this year? Yeah, he has. Um, it took me actually, I had to kind of get out of the like, I don't know, like stigmatism or whatever around like reaching out. Cause I didn't want to look desperate and I didn't want to be like, I don't have any friends. Can you be my friend? But I had to get over that and I had to, I like reached out to the, one of my friends from way back in middle school, I think was we had like had been kind of friends in middle school. And like, I knew she was nice. I knew she loved God and like went to church and everything. And so I just, I had to like reach out and just kind of be like, Hey, um, I was just wondering like, what lunch do you have? And I just started sitting with her at lunch. And like, then I, our friendship just kind of grew and, we she helped me like we went to homecoming together because I was really worried that I wouldn't have anyone to go to homecoming with like that was my big thing especially in the fall and football games I got I was like worried I'd miss out on my senior year of high school right because that one friend I had like we just kind of grew apart like I I think God separated us like we weren't weren't meant to be friends and so he replaced her with these new friends who I there's only I only have a couple friends still but I'm more like at peace with myself and just knowing that like I do have people who will invite me places like I we can go to we went to football games together right. and we went to homecoming together and now we're going to go to prom together. And it's just it's nice to have people. It's well, not about the quantity. It's about the quality. It's the quality of the friendship. And yeah. I go back to God is a God of fellowship and he wants us to be in community with other yeah. Yeah. others and he doesn't want us to be alone and isolated. So when he separated you from people, maybe who weren't as good for you um, mm -hmm. and helped you to see things from his perspective, he honored your prayer request of bringing forth people who 
would be godly friends and would be positive influences in your life and help to, because a a good friend is someone who builds you up and encourages Mm -hmm. you and supports you. And so I think even through all of this, Liza's learned how to be a good friend, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can only be a good friend or you can only have a good friend once you are a good friend. And I think that's also one of the things that she's learned throughout this is how to be interested in somebody else and to Mm -hmm. encourage them and to be supportive. And I am still working on putting myself out there more and like asking to hang out and stuff like that, because it ha- it is hard. Cause like when I was with my other friends, like I would ask them to hang out and I'd just be like, no, or like, I don't know. I just, I've been always been really scared of putting myself out there and the fear like, of rejection. Yeah. The fear I of rejection. Like, yeah. No, I mean, I that's a very real thing. And when you felt that sting before, yeah, it, it's hard it to is, go back and yeah, try, again. try again. It's hard to forget that and hard to put yourself out there because that's mm-hmm. that is a tough, tough sting. Whether yeah. you're in high school or whether you're in your forties, that is a yeah. that sting of rejection. <laughs> it never, it hurts. never feels good. No, ever it hurts. So, I think I've seen a big difference in your confidence, and I know you're still working on building that confidence. But like, mm-hmm. even with going to college, she's had to reach out to people on finding a roommate. Right. Exactly. So like when I went to college, you just filled out a questionnaire and then they matched you up with somebody and you hoped for the best. (laughs) Now it's like you go on Instagram, you go on Zimi, you go on all of these other social media platforms and, it's we kind of laugh because it's like dating. Yeah, <laughs> it is. it's like online dating for your roommate for, your for, roommate roommate. for college. It's so awkward. So <laughs> you know, she's really had to put herself out there and like um, you know Facetime people and chat with people that way. And um, she's done a great job. But God's prepared you for yeah. that. I mean, think about if you had had to do all that in eleventh grade. You know mm-hmm. where you were at that <laughs> point in time. You know, emotionally yeah. and psychologically. It would have been a lot tougher mm-hmm. for yeah. you. Yeah, especially my seventh or my eleventh grade year was really I did know God. I did have a relationship with God. So that was comforting. But that was really where and then he started attacking me was mm-hmm. my eleventh grade year because I was at the tech center for veterinary science, which I I initially did because I do want to go into the veterinary field, but also I wanted to use it as a chance to meet new people. And, like, see if there'd be people there that I could be friends with. But that was not really the case. It was a very small class. <laughs> um, and then you felt even more. You even and felt so then isolated. I felt even more isolated. Right. Yeah. I wasn't at Cosby with the people, like, that lived near me that I could be really friends with every day. And yeah, I, I forgot about only that. only saw people in these four classes I was taking. Right. Because you were every even day or every odd day or something like that. Every odd day I was at the tech center. She was at the tech center. So she was only at Cosby. One week it would be three days a week and the next week it would be two. Wow. Yeah. So that did also help create more, more isolation and that Mm -hmm. she didn't have as many opportunities to, Mm -hmm. to meet other people. But, Mm -hmm. and that was also when me and my other friends started separating more and getting, growing distant and that I just felt super alone then. But mm-hmm. luckily I did have a relationship with God because if I had been feeling like I did, or like I, if I'd been so aware of it as I was my freshman year, as I was my junior year, like I, that would have been a really bad situation. Do you ever, um, and you don't have to answer this question if you aren't comfortable with it, but did you ever have thoughts in your mind of suicide? 
it wasn't necessarily suicide. Like I never wanted to die. I didn't mm-hmm. want to leave my family and like the people that I did care about mm-hmm. a lot, but it was more just if I wanted it to end. Like I just, I was right. like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I want to be done with this. Like I'm, I'm over well, this. Too much. I need it's too much. I need yeah. to, I like, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And so like, and I never really was suicidal. Like I didn't really, but you were just, on it. I was just like, like pre-suicidal if that makes sense <laughs> yes like, thinking like, about how nice it would be for her to not have to go through the pain but yeah. not but not wanting to die, die. yeah, yeah. that just, makes so much sense to me yeah, I, I was just so over it i was like i i don't want to do this anymore i get but it but i want to be with my family so it's like a, it was a weird situation but you wanted to live you wanted yeah, there wanted things that you live. wanted in life and mm-hmm. that you wanted to find joy and peace and fellowship yeah. and community because I want, I think that was what it was. Like I wanted all that. Like I didn't want to just die and be like, yeah. Oh, you're dead. Like you don't have any friends still when you're dead. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> but, but I wanted, I wanted to find my people, and I wanted to experience the all I've had. And it was like right. I wasn't doing that, so I was like, you felt the starkness of what you wanted your life to look like versus yeah. where you were at that particular time. Yeah. So do you feel like from that like really, really low place that you've come more to appreciate life? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do appreciate life. And I do, it's tough to, because I still am not, like I don't go out a lot. Like I don't do things all the time. So I do all, still have those moments where I'm like, oh, I should be out doing stuff. But I now like realize like, I do I really want to be doing that kind of stuff? Like I want to hang out with my friends, but like, whatever like it's fun well i think part of that has been that you as you've gotten closer to god as anyone who develops a relationship with christ you begin to value the things that christ values Mm -hmm. and not the ways of the world and it says that we are we do not conform to the ways of the world so that means you don't rely on earthly things to fulfill you Mm -hmm. whether that's being popular partying drinking Achievements at school, your appearance, or you know yeah. what people think Likes of you. Likes on Facebook, and right. Instagram, right? Like and comment on my post. Well, and that is tough too because I do. It's weird because like I know that I shouldn't be focusing on that, stuff, right? But I am human. Like I right. do still. I still do that too. My right. <laughs> I see likes on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, like why am I not getting my likes? And it's like I do still compare myself, which I'm trying to stop. But it's it's tough because we are human, and yeah, we're not we perfect. are. And... We are, but now you're at a place where you recognize it. Yeah, and, and like, I, see I think that's the me. biggest part, right? Is just having our eyes opened to the enemy when he comes in to the promises of God. And even when we go through these tough times, even when things don't feel good, even when we still are looking at the stuff on social media and seeing all the Mm -hmm. things, we have that hope that you talked about before Mm -hmm. that we have a good father that loves us and wants what's the best for us. And even if we're going through a tough time now, it won't always be that way. Yeah. Just the hope of something new, something new getting out of that. Mm -hmm. And would you say too, you know, just because I try to tell my kids this all the time, so I hope I'm right. <laughs> but the just like a smile or a kind word to somebody, like you never know what people are going through, you know? And so yeah. if somebody had seen you in the hall and even maybe didn't know you that well, but was like, Liza, I love your outfit today. 
Would mm-hmm. that have that would have made my entire day? Yeah, just the little like compliments and stuff would have helped me a lot, and then that would have given me more confidence and stuff like that. Like it really does help and build people's confidence, especially from strangers. Honestly, right? Because like, they have nothing to gain from it, yeah. right? They're, They're just, just noticing you, right? And that's what I told mm-hmm. I tell my kids this all the time. People just want to be seen, exactly, and they I'm want to be that. noticed. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be their best friend. You don't have to hang out mm-hmm. with them all the time, but just let people know that you see them, that you notice mm-hmm. them. Being seen is just so important. Just knowing that some that someone acknowledges your presence because yeah. I feel like the enemy, he's like the king of isolation, right? Like he wants you to feel alone, like nobody's yep. there for you, nobody sees you. It says in the Bible that matter. he stalks around like a, a roaring lion. And when you look at all the National Geographic videos, it's the the animal that's away from the herd yeah. that's getting picked off, right? Yeah. Like, because they're weak. They don't have their herd to surround them and, and to give them strength. And, and he's the same way. Like, he wants mm-hmm. us to feel isolated, mm-hmm. alone, down, Oops. so that we're easy prey. Yeah, because when you're alone is when he can really get to you. Which is why at night, when you are away from your family, mm-hmm. getting ready really for bed is when he's like, oh, this is prime time right now. Well, yeah, Come because in. we were always very very intentional, too, about pouring into her as much as we could. You know, spend just because we like her. We like right. spending time with <laughs> right. her. It wasn't, like, <laughs> contrived or made up stuff. But right. we just really were trying to as a family to pour into her and just, we, I have to say, we had some, we had some pretty good times together as a family during all this. Like my heart broke for her that she didn't have her friendships, but you know, as good as we know God is like, even in those times, he still provided Mm -hmm. joy and love and support and drew our family closer. And she's, um, I would say pretty close to your sisters. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm really close to my sister. Except for early in the morning when they're trying to get ready for school and get here on time, right? <laughs> no, no, then I'm not close Then to not. Sisters. Not close then at I all. Not. And I ditch them when they're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liza, just like I think we said this pre-recording, but it says in the Bible that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Mm-hmm. And if we never go through anything, we don't have a testimony, right? No, if there's no test, there's no testimony. Mm-hmm. And not only do I feel like God has worked so much in you through this, I firmly believe that you are going to be able to help so many people that mm-hmm. are going through the same thing because it means so much more saying, I I know exactly what you're going through. I have been there. I got through it. And here I am now, as opposed mm-hmm. to someone who can just say, Oh, I feel really bad. That sounds really awful. When someone can say, I have been exactly where you are and look where I am now, like that gives hope. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And so I'm just so encouraged, honestly, by your boldness, by your <laughs> courage to come on here and speak. And I just really pray that other teenagers hear this because we all put on fronts, we all make the social media look great, but Deep down, everybody has alone times. Everybody has periods of isolation where they feel like they're unworthy. They're not good enough. Nobody likes them. And um, I just love that you're here and you're sharing it. And um, I just, I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, of course.